Hey everyone, and welcome to I Just Blink, Now What? The podcast. It's Jessica Stevens here, your host. And today we have our very first guest episode of the season. I'm super excited for it. Angela Mulroney is going to be joining me in a little bit and sharing her I Just Sold My Business, Now What? story, which I think is super relevant because... Like careers, businesses do come to an end and you got to figure out what you're going to do once that decision is made to move on and move forward, whether the business was sold, the business closed down, whatever the situation would be. So she's going to be kind of talking through what happened and led to her having to close her business and sell it and then what she decided to do next and move from there. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Before we jump into that, I just want to remind everybody that our patron site is now up and and live. So now you as a patron of the show can get behind the scenes access, some really cool exclusives. So I'm going to invite you to head over to the Patreon website, type in I just blank now what as the show and see what those membership options are for you to be a patron or an all access patron. And I would be so honored to have you guys over there to see some behind the scenes, cool stuff and some exclusives. And as always, I love to give away gifts and prizes. So there's going to be some monthly giveaways too. So head over to Patreon and check that out. So without further ado, let's get to the now what and learn about Angela and selling her business. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just, blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friends, are you having a I just feel sluggish now what moment? Me too. And when I'm feeling a little low and need to pick me up, I turn to the Arbonne 30 Days to Healthy Living program to help me reset. It's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. The 30 Days to Healthy Living acts as a reset in establishing healthy habits so you can get more energy and feel fit with clean vegan nutrition. Arbonne's mission is to empower people to flourish with sustainable healthy living. So the 30 Days to Healthy Living set and program are specifically designed to do just that. It helps you identify foods that might not be serving your body well while you focus on adding nutrient-dense, plant-based whole foods into your daily routine, creating sustainable habits for a healthy lifestyle that lasts. So if you want to get started on your path to healthy living with our number one nutrition set featuring nine plant-powered products that make healthy living easy, head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com and click on the Healthy Living tab and check out the program. Join me each month as I help dozens of people feel fit and their best with this amazing program. It's definitely not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And if you want to live well and feel fit, join us on the next 30 Days to Healthy Living. So head over to jessicastevenstoronto.arbon.com, check out that Healthy Living tab, and let's help you go from feeling sluggish to feeling great. Well, hello, Angela. 
We're going to have a really awesome conversation today about lots of cool things as it relates to business. And we're going to be sharing your I just sold my business now what story, which is packed with so much stuff as business owners. This climb to build a business is always ongoing, but oftentimes businesses get sold and then you got to figure out what to do next. So I'm excited to hear your story. But before we do that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, you know, from your own words, what do you want the people to know about you? Well, I used to be a dentist and I had built an amazing practice and then I got injured. So I ended up having to retire and move on to other things. So that path took me to building my professional dance company. It took me to building my business coaching company for dentists. And then it brought me to building an agency based in social media on LinkedIn for professionals. So it's been quite a journey of really trying to figure out what I want to do. And I had to figure out how to reinvent myself. Okay. Yes. That is quite miles away from one another. Dentist to marketing and social media branding professional. So why don't we rewind back to when you actually were a dentist? Talk us through a little bit about that story that I guess was the reason why you had to sell your first practice, your dental practice, and then, you know, moved on from there. So I had originally been doing pediatrics. So I worked with kids and I did that because I was really, really shy. And for me, it was easier to just tell them little stories about the sugar bugs, you know, take them on this journey while I was working on them and then hand them off to the parents and ta-da, I was done. I had this opportunity that I ran into after moving out of an associateship and the associateship presented itself at this practice where the dentist was 78 years old. He was in the hospital dying of cancer. I was 28 and I had never wanted to be a business owner until I walked into that practice and it was like angels singing. I could see the potential in everything. And so I decided to leap into ownership. And what I hadn't realized was I was going from pediatric dentistry to adult-based dentistry and not just like working on adults who were well taken care of. I was working on adults who were devastated. Unfortunately, the work that he had done the previous three years, his eyesight had gone because he was 78. And so almost everything that he had put in, it was decayed underneath. There was cavities underneath. And so I had to learn to deal with adults, speak to adults, get out of my own shy way because he was this boisterous, charismatic dentist that everyone loved. And I was a shy little wallflower who was used to dealing with little people and, you know, transitioning to adults who were very afraid of the dentist. They were afraid of him, but they stayed with him because they knew what to expect. And little kids and scared adults are the same, except scared adults say winger things because they have so much more vocabulary to use towards you. So I ended up buckling down, you know, tried to break through my barriers, built this business, turned it from this broken down practice to this high-end high-tech practice that became a referral hub from other dentists because I had built out this skill set to deal with people who were scared of the dentist. They had broken down mouths, they had sleep apnea, they had missing teeth. And so I built this brand in the marketplace that allowed me to cater to cowards. So people who were afraid of the dentist. And, you know, everything was amazing. The practice was exactly what I wanted. The team I had was exactly what I wanted. The patients I had were exactly what I wanted. And then I started to have pain in my drilling hand. And unfortunately that pain went on for three months and it came to a head on a day when I had a surgery after five hours of surgery on the patient, it was time to suture my patient back up. I went to pick up the hemostat to sew her back up and my hand wouldn't listen anymore. So I ended up having to coach my assistant to be my right hand. And I used my left hand and we got the patient put back together and safe. And that was the last day I got to practice dentistry. So that started the transition to figuring out 
what I was going to be when I grew up again. Oh my goodness. That sounds traumatic. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Well, it was shocking because I could see it coming for those three months. I'm like, something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And then finally, when that happened, I had hope until that point. And then when that happened, I was like, this is pretty serious. And so it was a lot um, to deal with because my identity was completely wrapped up in being a dentist. I wanted to be a dentist since I was two and I was 32 when this happened. So that had been my path, my dream, everything that I had counted on. And then suddenly it was gone. Oh my goodness. How long did you have that practice from when you took over from that other dentist to this episode with your hand? What's the timeline there? I think it was four and a half or five years. So it wasn't super long. So I'd gotten to the point where things were working really well. It was efficient. It was making money. Getting in your groove. You're at the five year mark. Now it's time to like scale or expand or, you know, move the business into the next level. And here you are now being, I guess, in a way forced to sell. Yes. Well, I decided everyone was telling me, you know, you've built this practice, you've got this brand it's working. Why don't you just bring in associates? So contractor dentists to come in and replace you and they can do the work. You can just run the business, which is what a lot of people end up doing. And so I did that for two and a half years. And honestly, every day I walked into the practice, it was like someone ripped a scab off my heart. It was awful because that was my dream, watching someone else execute on my dream and not do it at the level that I wanted it to be done. I can see how that walking into the practice every day and watching other people do what you used to do and you still in your heart wished you could do would be really painful. Mm -hmm. It was not a fun period of time. And I had this battle inside because everyone's like, you can do this. You know, you've got this business, make it run. Everyone else doesn't. And I was being not inside because it's this voice saying like, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not where you belong anymore. And so when I decided to sell, it was precipitated by 2015 oil crisis. My practice was in Calgary and we got devastated by the oil crisis and it really hasn't recovered yet. So I saw the economy taking this massive nosedive and I decided, you know what? I built the practice during the global financial crisis. I'm not doing this with associates who aren't as invested in the practice and nor should they be. So I decided to fire sale it, get out. And people thought I was insane for doing that because they're like, well, you're leaving money on the table. And all I could see was this nosedive and I'm going, I don't think I am. I think if I get out now, it's going to give me more than if I try and stick it out and hope the economy comes back and the economy really hasn't come back. So it was a good decision and my gut was right. Okay. So you sell your dental practice. Now what, what do you do? Because you, as you said, wanted to be a dentist from the age of two, you're now 32. That's 30 years of your life. How do you handle this new, I guess, identity? Because it's not just a business. It was your whole, it was everything you, this is, this is who you were. So now what, what did you do? Well, some people feel like I ran away and joined the circus, but I had danced professionally as long as I was a dentist. So I returned to full-time professional dance. And why I did that was I didn't want to talk to anyone in dentistry. People knew who I was. And when they would meet me at meetings, they could, there was pity on their face, right? And I don't really deal well with pity. And when you're emotional about something, you don't want to see that opening of pity because then it just it makes everything kind of come to the surface and you end up embarrassing yourself with emotion. So I removed myself, went back to dancing full-time professionally, built my dance company, Unleashed Dance Company, and spent a year on the floor figuring out 
what I want to do, taking the stories of what I've been through and choreographing them for the stage. And what that did was it really allowed me to start processing everything that I'd been through because it was a lot. You know, the owner died halfway through the deal. I got sued. I went through the global financial crisis. I was about to go through the oil crisis. You know, there was all these things that maybe one person, a person would go through one of those in a long career. And I'd gone through a lot of these brutal events. I'd gone through a lot of the education that people would do in a lifetime in a short period of time. So I figured, you know, there's got to be a way to take this stuff, find a silver lining and reach back and help the dentists go through this much more easy than I had help them to avoid the pitfalls I'd gone through. So I decided to build Unleashing Dentistry's Potential, which is a business coaching company for dentists and started to just hash through, you know, what did I go through? How did I do what I did? How did I build this brand in a crowded marketplace in the worst part of town is where I built my practice, but everyone had told me it wouldn't thrive and it thrived. So I wanted to figure out, you know, what were the nuances of what I had done that was different than what everyone thought would happen? And how did I get around those pitfalls that they had told me were inevitable? Okay. So you become a dentist consultant. Correct. All right. And you have this beautiful new business where you're passing on all the knowledge from all your years to new up and coming dentists or dentists whose practice needs some life and some zhuzh and some refresh. And how did that feel? Like, did you get joy out of now teaching? No. It was, again, that scab ripping off my heart because I hadn't realized that I might be a little bit different than a lot of the dentists out there. You know, when I had worked with coaches, whatever they told me, I did it because I'm like, I'll pay you $6,000 a month. Whatever you say, I'm going to give it. I am coachable. Like, (laughs) I'm paying you to tell me what to do and I will go do it. Yes. Um, But yeah, not everyone's like that. Not everyone's like that. And all I could see was like they had so much potential and they were squandering it. And I'm like, I felt like hitting them over the head and being like, carry on my dream, you know, do the dentistry that I don't get to do anymore. Help the patients that I don't get to help anymore. And so for them to be squandering that, and it was probably just, I hadn't run into a lot of the right ideal clients who had the mindset that I worked well with, but I found it to be quite a struggle, but I kept trying and trying. And so I took to LinkedIn and started talking about what I knew about dentistry, what I knew about niching, what I knew about branding. And I built a following from 200 to 12,000 in a year of dental industry people. And what happened was when I did that, people were like, how did you do that? Like you just came out of nowhere and suddenly everyone knows who you are. And so a few people came to me and they're like, can you, can you help me with what I'm trying to do on LinkedIn? I'm like, I'll take on a few case studies and see if I can take what I've done and duplicate it for other people. And it it worked. And then people started to refer me other people. And so I decided to, at the beginning of 2020, perfect timing, decided to become an official company, brought on two and a half full-time team members. And then the pandemic hit almost exactly two months later. And my team is looking at me going, you know, it's okay if you have to lay us off. Like we're watching everyone else get laid off around here. And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) we're going to dig in and make the most of this because when I've had the most success is when crisis has happened. And it's because I don't lay down and play dead. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a way around this. Let's find that way and kill it. So by 10 months into the pandemic, the company had grown from two and a half full-time to 14 full-time team members because so many people were like, I can't go to meetings. I can't go to networking events. I'm not speaking from the stage. So I need to have a method to get the word out there, to create those connections in a way 
that I can do behind the screen. And so I started to bring on all those different clients. I'd built a full-on agency and it felt really spectacular until I moved to Nicaragua. And then I started to go, what have I done with my life? Because <laughs> I had these three companies that were all taking off and I was just getting pulled in so many different directions and realizing that I'm pretty superhuman, but there, there is a limit. So I had to start making some decisions as to what I was going to keep and what I was going to let go of. Okay. So let's just kind of do a little scoreboard here for everybody who's listening and trying to visualize this like I am. So first business dentistry practice, you know, ran that, sold it, turned around, you know, went back into dance as your, I guess, profession and your income, then turned into dental coaching, which you loved, but didn't for, you know, obvious reasons. So when did you sell that? When did you decide to walk away from that business? So the divesting started in the summer of 2020. I decided to let the dance company go to one of my students. And the reason that it happened was when the pandemic hit and the dance company got shut down because we weren't allowed to gather. Yeah. My first thought was, thank God, I don't have to teach dance right now. And I said that out loud in my house and I was like, Ooh, I don't think that's what's supposed to be coming out of my mouth. If I'm really passionate about this. Yeah. As a dance studio business owner, probably not what I should be saying at the moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it really came from, I was just so busy that something had to give. And that was my intuition telling me that was what had to give first. So I sold that at, I think it was like July 1st of 2020, and then put my focus into the dental company and the social media company. And the dental company, it struggled because, you know, the dental clinics got shut down with the pandemic and they weren't sure, like every time there was a new restriction that came out or there was a wave, they're going, I don't know if I'm going to get shut down again. I don't know if our income is going to be shot. So they were just trying to really hunker down with what resources they had. And they didn't really want a whole lot of outside input. So that one, another consultant joined me and she decided to take that company over at the end of September of 2021. And with the agency part of it, I started once I moved to Nicaragua, a couple of months in, I started waking up in the middle of the night going, did I forget to do something? Did my team forget to do something? And I started to be really stressed about what was happening because there were so many moving pieces and it was growing so fast. And a lot of the clients who had come to me were people I respected. They were my friends, they were my colleagues, and I did not want to fail them. And I realized I had created a monster that I couldn't control. So I decided to sell off the agency part of it to one of my employees. And so she took the employees with her and took the done for you services in the social media company. And so I just narrowed down Unleashing Influence to exactly what I do, which is teaching media mastery, teaching people how to use their personal brands to maximize their time on LinkedIn. And that can be for anyone. So we're not talking dentists specifically anymore. Right. This is like any anybody out there who wants to build their personal brand and then use that to leverage growing whatever it is that they're doing. Correct. Yeah. Like there's the odd dentist who wants to stick their head above water and be seen and become a thought leader or become a speaker. But the majority of my clients, like 95% are not dentists. They're entrepreneurs, they're tech companies, they're CEOs and VPs from big firms that are trying to build their personal brand to humanize their side of what they do in the company. Okay, cool. So yeah, this is like 
so far away from all those skills that you learned in dental school and the drilling and the porcelain and the painting and the color matching. My cousin's a dentist, so I have like the tiniest like sneak peek into what his life was like as a student and going to dental school to now what you're doing. So like walk us through what it feels like to actually decide to divest and sell a business that you put you know, your heart, your soul, and your time and energy into. What does that look like for somebody? And when did you know it was the right time to sell for anybody out there who was like, I have this business and I don't know what's next, but I think it's time to let go. Yes. So a lot of people wait till their business is fully cooked before they let someone else take it over. I'll be honest, the businesses weren't fully cooked, but I was at a point where the life was getting sucked out of me. And it was the same thing with the dental clinic. Like, yes, I could have kept it. Everyone said I should have kept it, but it didn't fit. Like my guts were going off. It was like this alarm bell sounding all the time. And it gets to a point where you have to listen to it or completely shut off part of your body. And so I decided to listen to it. And the, my intuition was saying like, you know, what you love doing is helping people to use their physicality on camera. You love helping people to get out of their own way so they can build a business around influence. You love helping people to craft these ideas and change the world with what you know. And by being pulled in so many different directions, I couldn't do that at the level that I wanted. I'm a perfectionist. Dentistry comes with perfectionism. Professionalism comes with perfectionism. And so I felt like I was failing because I wasn't able to take it to the level that I wanted. And so that was the deciding point for me that you know, I had to let go as much as I possibly could and really just narrow my focus and niche into exactly what I did best. And a lot of people thought I was crazy for what I was doing, but I'll be honest with you, January, 2022 was my largest net profit month since I sold my practice. So by the time I had divested as much as I was going to divest, that was end of September. So within three months, I've attracted the right kind of clients. I'm doing the work that I want to be doing and profits have soared. So even though people think that I left money on the table, it's coming back to me in spades and I'm getting to use all the skills that I love. And so I think sometimes we're really out of tune with our intuition mm -hmm. and there's all these warning signs that are happening. And we have these outside people advising us saying, well, you should, you should, you should. And when we listen to all the outside voices, we tend to shut off what we inherently know. And I think when you can actually follow your gut, it is going to lead you to way more beautiful places than listening to all the shoulds that are around you. Absolutely. Your inner voice is really the one that we probably should be asking first before we start surveying so many other people who, yes, they may have some good advice and guidance if they've done what you want to do. But at the end of the day, you really have to listen to your own self. So emotionally, what was it like for you letting go? I'm assuming it was a release and it was a good thing, but was there any sorrow in letting go of any of your businesses? Because obviously you've invested so much into them. Was there a little bit of a mourning period that you went through? Not really. I'll be honest, like leading up to when the deals would close, you're kind of hanging on going like, I'm ready to let this go. So I really hope this finishes out on the timeline that I want in the way that I want so that I can move to the next phase. And every time you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, it's like having that albatross around your neck. It weighs you down. And every day 
after a deal closed, I felt like my spine felt lighter. My spine was straighter. I felt more open to the world. So it was really the anxious period and the sad period was the leading up to it going, ah, I really hope this happens. And then the day after is like, nope, this is totally exactly what should have happened because of the way that my body feels, the way that my brain is thinking. All right. So what advice do you have for anybody who out there is a business owner and they're contemplating whether this is the time to sell or to, you know, push through or like white knuckle through a challenging time in their business? Because we all know as business owners, there's ebbs and flows. And if you're going through an ebb, you know, the idea of selling kind of sounds like, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm like a lifesaver. Like it was the solution to all the problems. But sometimes, you know, pushing through is the right thing. But what advice do you have for business owners out there who are maybe in a position where they got to decide like you, do I push through or do I let go? So I would ask them three questions. So first one is, why are you still doing what you're doing today? And if it's because you have a financial God that you need to serve or other people are telling you, you should be doing that. And it doesn't come from joy within yourself, then you should be considering your options. I would also ask them, why did you start doing what you're doing? And sometimes it's because it was a family legacy. Maybe it was because like for me, suddenly I started liking teeth at two years old and they don't know why. And for some people, you know, they worked with someone from that industry who helped them. And so they're deciding to reach back and pull those people forward. So once you have those two things figured out, then look at where do you actually want to go? Do you want to stay on the same path? Are you actually headed on the right path with where you are today? And is the path that you're on right now actually going to take you where you want to go? Or is there things that you need to completely pivot to be able to get to where you want to go? And I think when we start looking into what we want out of life, it starts to give us a whole bunch of information that we can use to help ourselves to make those right decisions. And for a lot of people that approach me, you know, they've come from that professional path that traditional professional path of like, get the degree, get the doctorate, work in a clinic, work in your profession in a traditional role. And then the pandemic really has changed a lot of people's perspective about what they want out of life. And suddenly they realize they're a slave to brick and mortar or they're a slave to their employees. And they have all these things that are weighing them down. And if they look into the future, if they have to do this for another 10 years, they're going, no way in hell would I want to do that, right? And when you have that thought, like, oh my gosh, thank God I don't have to teach dance right now. That's a warning sign that something is really out of alignment with what you want to do in life and what you're trying to get out of life. So I think it's important to ask yourself those questions, evaluate your path. You're not going to lose anything that you've learned, right? Everything that we've learned, even the stuff that I learned as a clinical dentist, the precision of it, the technique of it still informs what I do today, right? It's ingrained in me. And so I can pull on those skills all the time to help my clients. So nothing is ever lost. So it's not like you're giving up. And that's what I think a lot of people feel is if they step off that traditional path or they sell their business, they're going to be perceived as giving up or selling out. And it can be hard to reason yourself through that, but you have to serve you. You have to be happy. No one else is going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to pay attention to, you know, what gives you joy, because if you keep going on the same path where you wake up every morning going, do I really have, I just need to get through one more day, one more day. That's a miserable life to live. And I don't wish that on anyone. Absolutely. And people normally equate that mindset or that hamster wheel existence as employees, right? 
<laughs> but it's actually also true for business owners and entrepreneurs. And so I don't think being your own boss and owning your own business doesn't necessarily always bring somebody joy. For sure. And doesn't necessarily bring freedom. Like everyone thinks you're going to be working from the beach with your laptop. And it's like, well, that's awful. You can't see the screen anyway. Tried it. But there's a lot of work that has to happen before you get to the point of freedom. And you're still always typically tied to that business anyway. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't come from a place of joy, it's really hard to keep pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope, putting in the hours, taking on the responsibility and the stress to try and build something that other people are relying on as well, especially if you have employees. So would you now refer to yourself as a bit of a serial entrepreneur? Yeah. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, this is going to be the only business for the next year or two. And my friends are like, uh-huh, sure it is. <laughs> sure, sure. Because like you started out with one, then you were letting that one go, added two more, and then let that one go and added another one. So right now you are at one business, which is probably best for the moment. But knowing you and knowing your personality, what do you think is next for you? Is there something else on the horizon? Are you dreaming up of another idea that you're going to hatch at some point? I've honestly tried to put on blinders so that I just have to work on this path for the next year. And I'm giving myself permission to just work on this path because I've had other opportunities come along. People ask me to join their business and I'm saying no right now. And it's funny because I have this list on my wall that says work to say yes to. So if something isn't on that list and isn't completely aligned with it, then I have to say no. So there's only three things I can say yes to. Everything else I have to say no to or refer out. And so for the next year, I am committed <laughs> to only saying yes to those things on the board. Okay. So what are those three things? So the first one is speaking, and that has to always be about branding or LinkedIn. Second one is coaching, again, on branding or LinkedIn, and also doing uh, branding workshops for companies. Okay. So this podcast fits nicely into two of those three things that you <laughs> you know are saying yes to. So thank you so much for saying yes to joining me on the show today and sharing this knowledge. So that's really good advice for people who, like yourself, are you know multi-talented and have a lot of passion and a lot of drive and a lot of ambition. I'm going to put myself in this bucket too, because totally me. Mm -hmm. We can tend to be really attracted to another opportunity, another yes. opportunity, and saying yes to all these great things that rightly so could be amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And could lead you to an awesome path and being more open. I'm always about being open. But sometimes there's seasons when you really need to be laser beam focused on just one thing. Yes, I agree. And like, for me, my path the last eight years was really trying to figure out who I was supposed to be in the world when I wasn't a dentist anymore. And so I did take the curly path to getting to where I wanted to go, which everyone laughs when they see those pictures, but it's so true. And for me, I had to like weigh out all the different talents I had and build the brands around each of those talents to figure out what I really wanted to contribute. Because as I built each company, I thought this is the thing, right? But there was never that contentment and that feeling settled in it and going, you know, this is how I can best change the world with what I know. But what I'm doing right now, when I ask myself that question, I feel content. There's no alarm bells going off. I feel the joy. Every time I get to work with a client, I'm amazed at how amazing they are and how brilliant they are and that I get the privilege to work with them and help guide them. 
So I think once you get to that point of the experimenting is over and you feel you're able to cherry pick the best things that you can offer mm-hmm. and you find that contentment, then it's easier to say, yeah, I'm going to stick to this for a while and not, not say yes to any new opportunities because I need to actually see this one through. Yeah. I love that. You talked about a little bit, the mindset of people who may see selling off a business or closing down a business as, you know, either selling out or failing or that negative connotation when a chapter closes. What would you tell somebody who might be pushing through some of those feelings <laughs> or experiencing some of it after the fact? Like maybe, you know, it's done and closed and the, the deal is done and now they're having this, I guess, a void Mm-hmm. because they haven't figured out what's next for them. What would you say for somebody who's in a gap? Sit in it. Most people, what they do, especially high achievers, type A personalities, we seek adrenaline. The temptation is to binge on the next things that are coming at you. If you're stuck and you're feeling that grief over what you've let go, there's a lesson that you were supposed to learn. And maybe you don't know what that lesson is yet. So give yourself the space to sit back and be still and not fill your time with so much stuff. And start digging into where that came from. Because if you don't learn that lesson, you're going to take that through to the next business and you're going to make the same mistakes. And I think that's one of the biggest things we do when we're really driven entrepreneurs. We don't take the time to sit back and think about the business. We are just in go, 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 go mode. And that's when we create these monsters that we can't control and that stresses out. And so if you can give yourself really the gift of time to have that quiet, meditate, write about it, then you're going to be able to start pulling out that stuff. And when you have that time, that's when you get creative. That's when you start seeing those new paths. You see the connections in the world as to what you should be doing next. That feels good to you. But if you, if you don't give yourself that space and just feed yourself with activity, it's really hard to move on to the next thing. And again, you're probably going to make the same mistakes again. Would you say that's kind of what you did when you left dentistry and went back to dance? Were you hopping a little bit too quickly? You didn't take a long enough pause? No, with dance, that was my pause. Okay. So that was my meditation. That was my catharsis. And being able to tell those stories through the choreography of what I'd gone through was my catharsis. So that was my pause. It was a movement pause, but it wasn't the breakneck speed of what my clinic had been or what the next ventures were. And it was in a completely different space and industry. So that was a little bit of your escape, right? Before yes. you went into dental consulting. That's really good advice for people to not rush into the next thing. All right. So here you are, 2022, Woo. one business on the books. Now what? My goal is just keep changing the world with what I know. Buckle down, keep doing education programs, speak, do webinars, help the clients that are my ideal clients, say no to the ones who are not and just keep moving this vision that I have forward and keep weighing in and making sure that everything that I'm doing feels right. And when it doesn't take that step back and go, why doesn't it feel right? And what am I going to do about it? Love it. And you're now living in Nicaragua. Yes. Was that move out of Canada to somewhere else also kind of a driving force as to why you wanted to sell some of your businesses? No, that wasn't conscious of it. My motivation to moving to Nicaragua was I made a deal with myself that I wasn't going to see a snowflake for 12 months. (laughs) But it was once I got here and I think it was being out of my comfort zone, like it's hot here all the time. And I don't really believe in air conditioning. So having that physical discomfort, having the discomfort of, you know, my friends not being here, my people not being here, having my routine completely disturbed, 
I think that brought a lot of stuff to the surface that allowed me to go, oh, some of these things aren't working and I need to do something about it. If I had stayed in Calgary, my guess is I probably would have kept driving because I was in that same environment. Calgary's very breakneck speed and it probably would have kept me in the same pattern. The whole point of moving down here was a pattern interrupt. I wanted to start getting some different insight and I knew that staying in the same environment I'd been on wasn't going to help me do that. I do 100% believe that coming down here achieved that pattern interrupt and started to give me that insight that I really needed. Yeah, a change of environment is a magical thing, right? And, you know, they say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And just by transplanting yourself out of that space into what is much slower paced, right? The tropics have a little bit of a reputation as like, slow down and take it easy, probably really helped you adopt that a lot easier than had you stayed in North America. Honestly, I didn't really slow down. Like my goal when I moved here was like, I'm going to learn Spanish, but I was working hundred hours a week. So by the end of the day, there wasn't much left. But the nice thing was when the day was over, I was seeing these people who had that balance that I wanted. And so I think that was partly what inspired me to start doing what I was doing with the divestment. Yeah. That change of environment totally is like, Ooh, I am the foreign object in this land here and they're doing something that I am not doing. And I need to figure out to do more of that versus what I'm doing. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out? Obviously I'm assuming it's going to be LinkedIn and what do you got going on? Do you have a program? Do you have a workshop? Tell the people where they can find you and what you're doing. So if you want to check out my website, it's unleashinginfluence.com. If you want to see regular content, I would check out my LinkedIn, Dr. Antimal Rooney. And then I do have a couple of programs starting March 1st. I have LinkedIn Level Up, which is a five-week program that takes you through your archetype, your brand story, developing your right audience, thought leadership content. And then I also have Captivate Your Audience starting the same day, which is another five-week program that teaches you the charisma of being on camera, how to actually captivate, whether you're in the boardroom, whether you're online, podcasting, or speaking from the stage. Oh, cool. Do you have a little teaser of what some of that content may look like? If someone's interested and been like, well, what are you going to teach? So in the LinkedIn level up, really, it's not so much about the technical of LinkedIn. Yes, I'll give you the technical side of it. But it's that stuff that people don't teach you about how to be influential on the platform. So it teaches you how to craft your brand story, how to see everything through your brand archetype, which we didn't really talk about. And brand archetyping really helps give you your philosophy and motto of how you operate in the world. Mm -hmm. And so once you understand that, it makes everything that you're doing from outreach to creating content to your sales calls, a completely different experience that you're very comfortable in. And then with captivation through content, it's not just about like how you move your hands on camera. It's about how you use your voice. It's how you use your body, how you use your spine to express emotion, how you even use the space that you're in coming close and far. So it helps you to be more interesting because a lot of times if we're creating content or we're speaking from the stage, we're focused on what we're going to say, mm-hmm. not how we're going to say it not how our body is going to be congruent with what we're putting out there. And so it teaches you those nuances of how those speakers that create an emotional experience, a memorable experience that you never forget, 
how they do that so that you can do that for yourself in everything that you're doing. Awesome. That sounds like quite the course. So if someone out there is interested in learning more, check her out, Dr. Angela Mulrooney. Thank you, Angela, for joining me today. This was such an insightful conversation because right now, you know, there's this mindset of more, add, you know, diversify your earnings, have more businesses, have more options, but you have literally done the opposite and you've stripped away and focused in on one and let go of all the things that weren't really serving you. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Anything else you want to share with the audience before we wrap this up? Nope. It has been an absolute pleasure, Jessica. You're a great interview. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Okay, that's it from us uh, for another Now What Wednesday. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at just.loves.life or find us on LinkedIn because that's the platform we were talking about today. And if you know somebody who is struggling maybe with staying in their business, whether they should let it go or keep going, forward this interview to them, share it, and maybe this will help them figure out their own path and their own Now What. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own Now What questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.